Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Magazine for Friday, October 6th. I'm Shelby Herbert. The city of Sitka has denied a citizen's petition to put cruise limitations out to voters in a special election this winter. Larry Edwards received the notice from the city last week that a petition he sponsored with more than 40 other Sitkins was denied. A letter from municipal clerk Sarah Peterson said the proposed legislation would be unenforceable under the Alaska state constitution. Edwards sought to limit the number of visitors arriving in Sitka by the cruise ship next summer to 240,000 total with weekly and daily limits. It would have also established a Sitka port district. In his recommendation to reject the petition, municipal attorney Brian Hansen wrote that the section describing how the limits would be enforced was confusing, misleading, and incomplete. Hansen wrote that establishing a port district through a voter referendum would be, quote, an inadmissible appropriation of a public asset, since the assembly has authority over allocating public assets, including land. Hansen also said that the ordinance would usurp the Assembly and Planning Commission's authority over city zoning code. In the letter, Hansen cautions that the ordinance would be unconstitutional at a federal level. In Bar Harbor, Maine, citizens recently established a daily cruise passenger limit through a voter referendum, prompting a lawsuit against the city. A ruling in that case will likely come later this year. In an email to KCAW, Edwards responded to the city's denial, writing, quote, Sitkins need relief in 2024 from the excessive cruise tourism of 2022 and 2023. Not pursuing deep cuts for next year is not an option. A step for that is being developed. For the past two summers, the number of cruise passengers visiting Sitka has far exceeded previous records. This summer, the city hosted an estimated 560,000 visitors. And for disclosure, the rejection letter from the city is co-addressed to Larry Edwards and John C. Stein, who is a member of the KCAW Board of Directors. However, Stein's name is on the letter, only as an alternate addressee to receive mail in the event Edwards was unavailable to receive it. Stein did not participate in drafting the ordinance language or circulating the petition. Petersburg's high school hosted its first home volleyball tournament since the pandemic last weekend, but it was a smaller affair than their regular tournaments. Two teams from Thunder Mountain High School and one from Juno Douglas came down to rally with the Vikings. Petersburg had just enough players to split into three teams, two JV teams, Blue and Black, and the varsity team. Petersburg Black took two wins and four losses, and Petersburg Blue took one win and five losses. The Varsity Vikings cleaned up over the weekend with four wins and zero losses. Coach Jamie Cabral ran down the weekend with me. Cabral said it felt amazing to have both courts going at the same time again. They just got a ton of court time, which is what they need. We are at 31 total um, within the program, which is really, really awesome. Um, kind of been our consistent number throughout the years, but the girls are just doing great. We got a young core, three total seniors in the program. Everyone else is underclassmen. So a really young core coming through. So just getting them court time is really, really important. They were down at Catch Can the week before, got some of them their first high school game ever with how many freshmen we have. And they played great down there. And we saw improvement from weekend to weekend, which is phenomenal. Um, 
Um, our JV kids are getting a lot of court time that they've been missing out on. Some of our sophomores, they have a total of four games under their belt in their high school career, and they've been in high school for two years. And so not every two-way team has a JV. So we're the like one of the largest two-way schools that have students participating, which is fantabulous. Um, so we just keep them going. But um, we start September 6th, but the three A's, four A's start August 4th. So they've been going for about a month and a half ahead of us. But kids are doing awesome. Our varsity team, they're a special group right now. They, they work together. They set some goals that they want to accomplish throughout the year and surprised me and Coach Curtis and amazing group of young women and they're just they're clicking right now which is good but we want them to make sure that we're not peaking yet so we have this theme it's the uh, never-ending ladder so the next rung up the next rung up and just keep climbing until we hit goals along the way any star performances any shout oh outs? man so many of them um our entire varsity group is amazing uh the leadership i cannot thank them enough from brianna radliff and anya powick their their senior leadership talking with them you know checking in with them seeing where they want to go for their senior year not just because it's their senior year, but also because they put so much into the program and they want success. And they're feeling it right now because they work hard every single day. They come in, it's like the best two hours of the day when we're at practice with them. But our setter group is pretty phenomenal too with Sarah Essek, who is our Hungarian exchange student, and Anya Pauk, both of our setters. They run the offense and they do a great job. It's kind of like they've been playing for years together, but they've only known each other for about a month and a half. So pretty fun watching them play on the court. Brianna Radliff, Elizabeth Burns, Miranda Carr, our outsides are doing an amazing job on the outside, taking care of the ball, passing well, serving tough. I mean, our serving is, is the best I've seen in years. Defensive specialists, we call them. The ones in the different jersey, they're passing the ball well and playing great defense and our middles we kind of roll our offense through them and they've been just phenomenal and great along the way but uh, our whole group all the girls continue to work hard and show up every day which is which is fabulous That's yeah. awesome. awesome Jamie thank you yeah, so much absolutely. Uh, any final thoughts I gotta thank coach Curtis uh, my assistant coach this year Carrie this is her first year as an assistant coach and she has just she's been a blessing to have on the court she is just super supportive the first year coaching here at the high school uh, she's coached basketball before at the high school but first time with volleyball and she's she's really wrapped into the program and, and bought into the culture um, and just her support has just been amazing this year so really appreciative that she's out there with us that's Jamie Cabral coach of the Petersburg High School volleyball team his assistant coach is Carrie Curtis Petersburg's volleyball teams will get a break this weekend then the varsity girls will travel to Anchorage the following weekend for another tournament a Wrangell hunting nonprofit is offering $2,500 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of whoever illegally killed and abandoned a cow moose. The illegal kill was found on Wrangell Island in late September. Sage Smiley reports. Mid-September marks an exodus from Wrangell as hunters head up the Stikine River or out logging roads with hunt tags in the hopes of bagging a moose. The moose hunt in Game Unit 3, which includes areas around Wrangell, Petersburg, and Cake, isn't a trophy hunt. The moose in the area aren't the giants of up north, but the hunt provides hundreds of pounds of subsistence meat for families in town. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game says around 10% of moose harvested in southeast fall hunt each year are illegal. But most of those are sublegal males with antler configurations that don't match the requirements. It's less common for someone to kill and abandon a cow moose or a female moose. Plus, it's illegal in most areas of the state to kill a cow in the first place, except during targeted hunts. 
But sometime in late September, a hunter killed a cow moose in a muskeg about 15 miles south of town and abandoned the animal to rot. The moose was found by a hiker who noticed bird activity and a strong smell in the area and reported the moose to authorities on September 23rd. Wildlife trooper Chad Yoder says he went out to investigate the next day. When I went out there and uh, confirmed it was in fact a cow, I was confirmed it was shot. Um, certainly not, it didn't die of natural circumstances, um, definitely shot. Yoder declined to go into detail about the initial analysis of the site and evidence since the investigation is ongoing. Based on recent weather and the animal's decomposition, he says he believes the cow was killed around five to ten days before the body was discovered. The crime caught the attention of a local hunters association. Because in the end, it just... It's just unethical as a hunter and irresponsible. Robbie Marshall is treasurer of Stikine Sportsman Association, which has put up a reward of $2,500 for information leading to the arrest and prosecution of whoever killed and abandoned the cow. Of course, um, when you're hunting, mistakes are made. But to, you know, literally leave hundreds of pounds of meat that could have been, you know, distributed throughout the entire community to be just, you know, irresponsibly just left for waste that is the that is the main problem that we as you know the sportsman association kind of see marshall says the money comes from the sportsman's fundraising efforts primarily their auction dinner that happens in early spring each year and the reward could grow marshall says wrangell residents have reached out and said they want to add to the pot as of october 5th local authorities were still investigating the crime Wildlife trooper Chad Yoder encourages anyone with information about the incident to get in contact with authorities. If somebody comes to us at any point in the investigation and, you know, they let us know what happened, if if they did something, likely, you know, they're going to get in trouble. But it's going to be a whole lot better and go a whole lot better for that individual if they approach us versus if, you know, otherwise... um, Alaska's meat salvage laws are strict. If a hunter doesn't make an attempt to salvage meat, the minimum fine is $2,000 and seven days in jail. The more serious charge, called wanton waste, can carry up to a $10,000 fine and a year in jail. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. Law enforcement and the Stikine Sportsmen Association encourage anyone with information about the incident to reach out to wildlife trooper Chad Yoder at 907-795-3558. Anonymous tips can be submitted to 800-478-3377. KFSK's news department is issuing a correction to a story that aired yesterday about grant funding for Petersburg's Medical Center's new hospital project. The $20 million state treasury grant promised to the hospital last week is not the first wave of funding it received for the project. PMC already had $8 million from the 2022 Consolidated Appropriations Act. We apologize for this error. Former Alaskan Tommy Baudreau is stepping down from the number two position at the U.S. Department of the Interior. This deputy secretary of interior has been a key contact for Senator Lisa Murkowski, who says she trusted him and appreciated his background. He grew up in Alaska. He went to an Alaskan high school. His parents um, were were part of the industry that um, has made Alaska. And so... uh, 
there was there was a certain amount of, of comfort knowing that he knew our state. Baudreau's family moved to Anchorage in 1979 so his father could work in Prudhoe Bay. He graduated from Service High in 1990. Baudreau is associated with several major Alaska issues at Interior, including the decision to greenlight Willow, the ConocoPhillips oil field on the North Slope, and others that worked against resource development. The Interior Department announced his departure on Wednesday without citing a reason. And here I have the results for the Wrangell Municipal Election. Sage Smiley. In Wrangell for KSDK, I'm Sage Smiley. Wrangell's 2023 municipal election was a muted affair. Four seats on the ballot, only one contested race, and no ballot measures. Voter turnout dropped precipitously, almost two-thirds compared to last year, with 192 ballots cast on election day, or just under 10% of registered voters in the borough. And even with around two dozen early ballots left to be counted, the outcome of the one contested race is set. Wrangell School Board newcomer John DeRyder will gain a three-year term on the board, unseating incumbent school board member Esther Reese. DeRyder has 115 votes, Reese trails with 76. There are not enough untabulated votes for Reese to overtake DeRyder's lead in the race. Reese has served on Wrangell School Board since last year. DeRyder has been a member of the school's secondary advisory committee since 2021 and also serves on the borough's economic development board. Other municipal races were uncontested to begin with. Current Borough Assemblymember Ann Morrison will be re-elected with 159 votes. Newcomer Michael Audison will also gain a three-year term on the Assembly after securing 158 votes. In the Port Commission race, incumbent Port Commissioner Gary Morrison is set to serve another three-year term with 180 votes so far. He ran unopposed. Wrangell's borough election will be certified and official after the Canvas Board and Borough Assembly meet on Thursday. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.